Welcome to the podcast of Mosaic Church, celebrating diversity within community. So today, we're, uh, we're in John 6. That was a real lengthy verse, but there's a lot of that that we're going to unpack today. Um, and we're going to wrap our time and frame our time around this idea that Jesus is the bread of life. The idea that Jesus is what we need. So what happens? Well, at the beginning, it is coming close to Passover. And what does a good Jewish boy or girl have to do at Passover? There is a celebration. And there's a very specific celebration because they're remembering all that got it done before. Remember when we talked about Joshua and they would set up things so they could remember? God instituted these festivals at different times so they could remember. What were they remembering at Passover? They were remembering that God bringing them out of Egypt. The last event in the ten plagues that hit Egypt was that event where the firstborn son was going to die, except for those, time, except for those houses that had the lamb's blood on the doorpost, remember? And if that happened, a, the angel was going to pass over their house and not. And that was a time to remember that the blood of the lamb saved the firstborn son of each household. And those of the Egyptians didn't. And so not only was it this idea that Christ was the Passover lamb, which we'll get to in a couple of weeks. Um, but this idea that God saved them. God was willing to pass over them because of the blood of the Lamb. And we'll talk about that analogy in a couple of weeks, but this is what they're remembering. And so there's this festival set up for them to remember that. And in that festival, they were supposed to have a celebration, and that celebration was very specific in the type of bread they ate um, initially, and then they just kind of had a feast. Um, and so Jesus looks up and said, man, it is almost time for that celebration. He looks at Philip. Philip had been walking with Jesus long enough. He should have known this was a test. And he says, Philip, here comes a bunch of people. Where are we going to get all the food for them? It was a rhetorical question because Jesus already knew the answer, right? In fact, Scripture tells us that. That's not Friar reading that into that and just so smart that I can, you know, take the scriptures and parse it out and know that, you know, it's, it's, it flat out tells us that. Jesus already knew where he was going to go. But he's asking Thomas this question because he wants to teach him a lesson. And so what does Thomas do? He come, he's got an excuse, right? He's like, a year's wages wouldn't be enough to buy food for all these people. The implication, I think, from Thomas is, I don't even have a year's wages. And even if I did, that wouldn't be enough. So Andrew steps in, Peter's brother, says, well, hey, here's a boy with two loaves, five, five fish. Maybe it's the other way around. I don't really remember now. And he says, here's a kid with some food. Mom packed his lunch. He's ready to go for himself. He said, but for himself, because we got a lot more people than just this one kid. Their answers back to Jesus were only what? How this thing can't be done. The answer back to Jesus was only how they can't be done and all the reasons why it can't. 
I don't have enough money. There's not enough food to feed all these people. We got a little bit, but it's not enough to feed all these people. There was all these reasons why. And as we talk through this together, the first thing that I want us to pull out of this scripture is that Jesus had a Jesus had an answer. Jesus had a miracle. Jesus had something that was ready to go. And he asked them. And all they gave him was all the reasons why it can't happen. And that is obviously true for us at different points in our life. There are times when we have great faith. It's like, God, you can do anything. There are times where it's like, all we got is excuses. God, you want me to do what? You want me to move where? You want church to look how? That doesn't make sense. That's not how it's going to be. There's all these reasons why that doesn't work. My family's going to be mad at me. The crowd who comes is going to turn away. Right? We can come up with tons of excuses. And all they got is excuses. We'll come back to that. Let's think of the people who are in this crowd, right? Typically in all of the stories of the the New Testament, when we see Jesus talking, they're generally three kind of groups of people. One were these religious leaders, right? Different times, and it's Pharisees, it's Sadducees, it's different times, it's different aspects. Sometimes it's both of them, but they're there in the crowd. Now, these were the rule followers, right? They were the rule keepers, even more than rule followers. They follow the rules, and because they follow the rules, they thought they were the keeper of the rules, the one who were going to tell everybody, here's how it's going to go. This is why this isn't correct, or this is why it is, and that's why you should follow me. And so this, they were there in the crowd. And then you also have the disciples. These were the people who were following Jesus, following Jesus because they believed him, they, they knew him. But there's a problem with the disciples, right? They were, they lacked faith a lot of times. They were often confused. They were kind of scared a lot. They were faithless. And that's like Jesus' words talking about these people. But they were there. And then there was the multitude, right? It was kind of like everybody else. And the other people were there because they were curious. They'd heard about Jesus. They maybe had seen a miracle earlier, and they wanted to see, can he do it again? Like they were kind of like, they were following Jesus because of the show, because of what could happen, because they heard sometimes food shows up and he's around. Sometimes it's kind of like the people who go on the Oprah show, right? I want to go there because it's maybe the day she gives everybody a new car. I'm not really sure. So I want to go. Maybe Jesus is going to do something cool. Maybe he's going to give us all food. So I'm going to, I'm going to go. And so these were all the people in the show. They were, those were the people who were just wanting uh, what God had to offer them. But they weren't necessarily wanting God himself. They just wanted what God could offer them. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus actually provides that day. He takes the fish and the loaves, however many there was of each, divides it up, miraculously feeds all of these people. Remember he asked Peter and Andrew, all they had was excuses, and Jesus said, well, I'm going to show you. And so he does it. And what happens right after that? There were some people in the crowd who said, this guy is, like, this is the one we've been waiting for. So we're going to go take him and make him king. For a lot of us, that would be a promotion. That would be like, okay, that's a good thing. Jesus said, no, I don't want any part of this. 
we would say, what are you talking about? Like, this is the place you want to be. Like, you're in the White House, right? You got the seat at Congress. You got the highest, you got the place at the table. You got everything you need. This is time, it is set now. Jesus didn't want any part of it. Why? Because he was looking at it from God's perspective, not our perspective. Because my perspective was like, yeah, I'll take that. It's like that, remember that show, uh, Let's Make a Deal? Monty something or another, Monty Hall, is that his name? It's still on. Okay, I bet Monty Hall's not doing it anymore, though. Okay. You got these doors, and you got this one thing, and you're like, man, I'm going to trade it in for something else, or you could keep it. Someone says, Fire, you're going to be king? I'd be, keep it. Because there could be a goat behind that door, and I'm just going to hang right here. Jesus wasn't playing that game. Jesus was looking at it from God's perspective. He was the king of kings, he was the Lord of lords. He was the creator of all the universe. And they were thinking, man, this is as high as it gets. And Jesus is saying, there's so much more than just this. I'm not going to trade in what I have for just this, but how often do we trade in what we have for just that little thing? I want the biggest church in town. I'm going to trade that in for the kingdom. I want the biggest house on the block. I'm going to trade that in for the kingdom. I want I want to rule politically. I'm going to trade that in for the kingdom. Jesus didn't want any part of it. We have to train our eyes and our ears to see things from the perspective of what God sees them. So what does Jesus do? He takes off. So the show's over. I'm not having any part of this. So his disciples leave, all right? And what happens? Jesus goes later, walking on the water. This may be the same time, and it's just not recorded here in John where Peter joins him. But we do know there is that thing that happens, right? Peter doesn't join him at one point. But this just tells us when Jesus got to the boat, they were glad he was there. And instantly they were on the other side, which is crazy. crazy. This miracle they did not see. And when the crowd arrives, they, uh, so, so then the crowd comes. They see the boats have left. They see the people left. They see Jesus left. They know it didn't happen at the same time. And so when they get to the other side finally, because they're still going after the show, they ask Jesus when he arrived, when did you get here? And Jesus just reveals to them, they missed these miraculous things while they were searching for food because here's this crowd who's following Jesus because he just fed them. They wanted another free meal. They wanted another thing. Jesus said, man, you're out there looking for food and you're walking right past the miraculous. You're moving right past what God is doing in your midst. They were missing the miracle of who Jesus was because they were looking for more food. They had the Messiah, the guy they'd been waiting on, the one who was going to save them all, right there in front of them. They were missing that because they were wanting more food. How often do we miss the miraculous thing when we settle for the mundane thing because we're looking for the wrong thing? And so Jesus teaches them a lesson through this. It says, quit looking 
or there's food that's going to go to waste. There's food that's going to perish. There's food that's going to rot and spoil. You're looking for these things. Go through them. They were, they were walking miles. They were rowing miles across. It's a, I mean, when Jesus got to the boat, it said the disciples had been going about four or five miles. Well, we don't know how long it was to get to the rest of the side because when Jesus got there, they were miraculously there. These people were either walked or went across the sea for miles looking for food and were missing Jesus. The food that truly satisfies. And so Jesus kind of explains that to them. It reminds us of this story. Remember, remember just a couple of uh, chapters earlier in John, there's this woman at the well, right? And Jesus comes to her. And she's wanting to tell Jesus all about why they were why they're at the well and how they worship and whose well it was and all this kind of stuff has been there for thousands of years. There's still water in it. We got all this stuff. And she's wanting to tell Jesus all this other stuff. And Jesus said, What are you even talking about? Like, I am the living water. She was wanting to go to the water well to draw water. And Jesus, is like, I want to put this living water inside of you. She was missing what Jesus was getting because she was bragging about her well. The chapter in the middle. Remember, there was this guy at Bethesda. He couldn't walk, couldn't move. We don't know how paralyzed he was, but he was paralyzed to some degree. And there was this pool at Bethesda, and there's this myth that when the water gets stirred, the first person in gets healed. And the creator of all of life walks right up to him. He says, do you want to get well? Now, he's laying there probably thinking, this guy's come to try to help me in the next time the water gets stirred. And he's given Jesus, what does he do? Excuses. Gives him all these excuses. Well, I, I try to get in the water first, but I'm paralyzed, you see, and I can't move that well. And somebody else always gets in there before me. And there's all this sad story. And Jesus said, do you want to be well? Like, I'm the one who can do it. Quit worrying about this crazy myth on this water and look to me. And that is what Jesus is constantly doing to us. We're here giving, God is calling us into this mystery, into this exciting story. And we've got like a ton of excuses. And God, we want things to be better. But we got to fix a couple of things and we got to get some things right and we got to make sure we got the right. You know, set up. We got to make sure our bank account is just right. You know, we got to make sure our job is just right. God, if you would just provide for me the right transportation, then I can get to that job that I can get to, so I can make the money, so I can sow into the kingdom, and you can use that to kind of do whatever you want. Like we come up with a lot of excuses when God say, "No, I want you to just be the king." We got to get the right building, with the right music, with the right preaching with the right, right welcome team, with the right chairs and the right color. And once we got all that, then we can invite the people in so that someone can present them in a really good way the gospel. So hopefully through that, you'll save them, God. And Jesus said, would you just quit it and feed the daggone person? Help them cut their lawn, help them with whatever need they have, paint their door, whatever it is. Would you just help them? Would you show the kingdom that way and quit worrying about all this ridiculousness? 
that we do? Because we got a lot of excuses, and God's saying, hey, if you just be the kingdom, what did, what, what did, what did, what did Christ say? He said, all you got to do is lift me up, and I will draw all men to me. And we got a lot of excuses. And what does Jesus tell the crowd? Because he says this really, like, tough thing, right? And they said, well, what do you... What do you want us to do? Like, what does it look like to do the will of God? What does it look like to do the work of God? And what did Jesus tell them? You remember? I'm not going to go back because I made a mistake. I bought this Bible just recently, and the words are really small. It's going to take me a while to find. But you can go into John 6 and read, and it's somewhere around about between like 30 and 40-ish, verses 30 and 40, maybe 45-ish. They said, well, what do, we, what do you want us to do? What is it like to do the work of God? And Jesus said, what? Believe. All you got to do, like that is the work. I ask you to do something, just believe, right? What was it that healed the paralytic man at Bethesda? His belief in God. What, what changed in Peter's life from the night that he betrayed Jesus to just a couple months later when he's speaking before the Sanhedrin in boldness. He believed. That was the only thing that changed in Peter's life. It wasn't that Peter, you know, put things on hold and went to seminary and learned all the right things to say and then, you know, went. It wasn't that he went into some kind of internship where Jesus kind of, he actually kind of was for three years, but Nothing really happened in those two months between when Jesus said that, between when Peter denied Jesus because he was scared and when he was standing in front of the Sanhedrin saying, I don't care if you guys arrest me or not. Like This is my Savior, and I know who he is, and I know what he can do, and I'm not scared of you. Peter believed. Jesus, they asked him, well, what does it look like to do the word of God? Jesus said, just simply believe. But what did the crowd say? Well, we kind of believe, but guess what? Our father Moses in the desert, he gave us manna. It's more like they're pride of Jesus. Like Moses gave us manna. What are you going to give us? Hey, you just gave us some bread. Let's up the ante here a little bit, bud. What are you going to give us? And Jesus, what does Jesus tell him? He basically said, uh, your fathers ate that bread and they're dead. And I'm about to try to give you food that's going to last and they actually make you last. And Jesus said, I am what you really need. I'm so satisfying that you'll lose your taste for bread. Jesus is talking to a group of people who's almost willing to settle just for survival when God is offering them abundant life. It's that first part of Isaiah 55 that we read. I'm not supposed to touch the face right now, but I can't turn the page. I don't want my phone. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently, diligently to me. Eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear here that your soul may live. 
And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. The prophet Isaiah, God speaking to him and said, well, you're, you're quit settling for that thing that's not going to last. Search for the good thing. Jesus then tells the crowd, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they said, you're not talking about the right kind of bread, bud. But Jesus telling them, I want to be a part of you. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. I want to be a part of you. And I want you to be a part of me. And the crowd couldn't take it. They took off. Here's the interesting thing. Now, what happens in our context, right? If a crowd takes off, we draw on a crowd. We say something. It's like, oops, people left. What do we do? Oh, hang on. Let me see how I can make this a little better. Can I make this a little better? Can I get you to really like what I'm saying or like what I'm doing or like how I'm doing worship or like how I got to change this because this is, uh, you know, we got to make sure we don't lose the crowd. But Jesus didn't care because Jesus, Jesus was speaking truth. Jesus did not change the message. In fact, he doubles down. He turns to his disciples. You guys want to leave too? Peter, Peter does have a moment of belief. And he gets here and there. There's this is a time in his life where he just like, there's no more room for unbelief. But at this point, he's kind of got it some, and he does it some, and Peter gets it. And he says, where are we going to go? Who are we going to go to? You have the words of eternal life. Peter got it. Crowd doesn't. I didn't ask too hard. I just want the show. I just want the thing that's going to satisfy me now. I want immediate gratification. I want the payday. I want the, and that, none of that's. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with a nice house, nice car, big church, worship I enjoy. Nothing wrong with any of that. And Jesus wasn't trying to tell the crowd, "Don't eat food for the rest of your life." There's nothing wrong with any of that. But what Jesus was saying is, this is what I'm calling you to right now. Can you put your wants and desires aside and go after the good thing? Can that be what's more important to you than any of the other stuff? Can that be what drives you? And regardless of if anybody else thinks you're crazy or doesn't go along with you, kicks you out, whatever it is, can you be willing to follow this no matter what? And we saw the answer from the disciples, right? Eleven of those guys said, "Yeah, we're we're going down to the death. Like we're going down with the we're going down with the ship. If it goes down, we're going down with it because we don't know. We can't. if this isn't it, then nothing is. And so we're just going." We want the thing that tastes good. Jesus is saying. Man, I satisfy you so much better than any of that. And when we realize that Jesus is all we need, then we don't have to work for food that spoils. And we don't have to see other people as a threat. You see, if we're working for the thing that spoils, then that person next door, that church down the street, the ministry around the corner, that's now competition because they're trying to get the same thing I got, right? It's like the, it's like the Israelites, the first day there was manna on the ground. Jesus said, just take what you need and just leave the rest. 
They're like, what if we never get it again? We got to grab it all now. What happens? It's spoiled the next day. It's nasty. And they realize God's going to sustain me every day. Every single day, it's going to be all right. And when we realize Jesus is the good thing, Jesus is the best thing, we don't have to worry about any of that. It actually gives us permission to live our life on mission, right? Not as a place for only friends, but we can invite strangers in because now we're trusting that God is good. We don't have to put all our defenses up, set our guns at the door because we're scared of who's going to walk in. We can just trust that God is going to be good and faithful if he's asking us to, right? Now, listen to the Holy Spirit because God may say, that's not what I want you to do. If God is, then it gives us permission just to open up our lives. We don't have to hoard our time. We can share our time with other people. We don't have to hoard our resources. We can share our resources with other people. When we know that God is the one who has given us that, then we can just share it. And it frees us up. We don't have to keep working for that food that's going to spoil because we already have what we need in Jesus. Other people are no longer a threat. gives us permission to be with others. It gives us permission to remember why we come to this table. We come to this table as a reminder weekly that Jesus is the bread of life. He has already given me what I need to live. And everything else that he gives me is like icing on top of the cake, which is my favorite part of the cake. But you can't live on just the icing, trust me. You need that bread, that bread of life. And so everything, that's what sustains us. That's what moves us and motivates us. Everything else is just like extra. And it's good, but it's just extra. And we have to be able to acknowledge that and say, Jesus, thank you for wanting to give me the extra. But all I need is you. And so today, as we pray, let us come to the table, if you come, you don't even reflect where you're sitting that Jesus is all I need that Jesus is good enough that Jesus is it there is nothing else even pray this morning that the Holy Spirit would reveal to you what it is that he is asking of you maybe you're already right in the middle of it and maybe he's been asking you for something that you've been kind of fighting a little bit because you're like "Ah, I got a lot of excuses as to why I'm not going to do that I have a lot of excuses. And uh, the Holy Spirit convicts us of that this morning. And we begin to take steps towards where God has called us. And like Peter, we're not going to get it right the first time. We're going to jack it up still. Peter said this, and it's like, man, that looks good. And it's just a couple short chapters later, and Jesus is telling, calling Peter Satan. I'm going to get behind him. So he's still, you know, we're not going to get it all the way. But he's taking taking steps forward constantly into the goodness of who God is and what God has done. So as we come today or as we worship God, however you choose to do that today, let that be what's on our hearts and on our minds. uh, Is that God is the thing we need. He is the bread of life. So let's pray. Dear God, giver of all good things, creator of everything that we need. 
so thankful that you have given us everything that you have given us. All of it is from you and not because we deserve it. Because you did. And so this morning, God, we pray that you would help us to trust those words that you spoke to that crowd so long ago that you are the bread of life, that you are all we need. And if we get you, we need nothing else. Forgive us for chasing after all the other things that we chase after, thinking that that's going to satisfy. And God, as we quit working for that thing that doesn't last, would you let us see it as an opportunity to embrace others, to live our lives on mission for you, to be able to share and spread your kingdom knowing that we can't outgive what you have given and will continue to give. Just like manna, every day you will give us what we need to live and make it through that day so we don't have to hoard. God, we pray for our family who's not here this morning. Would you be with them? If they're sick, would you heal them? If they're lonely, would you comfort them? Give us peace. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information, please visit us at www.mosaiceasley.org.